Uh, how are you, Rory? Oh, I'm good. Yeah? Jillin. You feeling, you feeling, you're Jillin? Uh-huh. It's like a little more fun version of chillin. Jillin. Yeah. You know. Uh, no, I've, I've done that before. I've chilled. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but I have, I have in certain circles and circumstances seen the term jilled be like the lady version of jacking off. Wait, really? Chilling oh, off. Oh, jacking and well, chilling. Well, it, it, does, it does have a certain, <laughs> chilling does have a certain, I don't know, noise. It has a sort of sexual there's a, there's sound. There's a hardness to jacking that chilling kind of still gets there. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like it still feels dirty, but in a different way. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun too, don't we, girls? everybody welcome back it's saturday morning tuesday is the adult podcast about children's cartoons i'm andy i'm austin i'm rory and today this week on this lovely little podcast uh look around look to your left look to your right look who it is it's a crowd of thousands of people because it's the seventh inning stretch and we're at a we're, we're at a baseball game uh, oh boy i'm getting cracker jacks are, are I have found myself in the in the pitchers in the dugout, you know, in the in the teams oh. the teams place. where the where the ball where the ball men live. Yeah, <laughs> the place the place where the ball men live. I've sort of wound up there because I assume you sort of did some kind of magic and we all appeared in the stadium. Yeah, it's like quantum leap. Wanna, like we've I taken the place of people I want to stop and talk here. about the dugout for a minute. Like, okay, let's do no it. No other sports arena makes the players sit in a hole underground. <laughs> 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 it's such an odd form of self-flagellation. You're in the wrong hole. This is the home hole. You need to go to the away hole. Oh, I uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it is very odd. And the fact that there's like a special name for it too, like the dugout. Like like it makes it sound like the coach just sort of dug it. This you have afternoon. to name it. You can't just not address these underground baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you think by naming it it gives it a little more uh I guess seriousness well it does so provide legitimacy people... but like i said it would just be crazier if nobody talked about it yeah no i think you're right <laughs> yeah, well, look, another, another baseball player has emerged from his hole <laughs> <laughs> like like puxatani phil <laughs> <laughs> he sees his own shadow and yep that's another five extra innings uh do you think there's like a cast system with how far above the ground you get to be because the pitcher does have a mound Right, maybe that's, that's a good true. point. So he's like the king of the mole men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, all the all the dirt that they dug out of the dugout got used to make the mound upon which the pitcher roosts. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's something I there. I love. I love the sort of three different mythologies for the ballpark we've now set up <laughs> in the last three minutes or so. 
because I'm I'm still there with all the with all the ball men, mm. and they're looking at me expectantly, like I'm about to go up and and hit the big one, hit a big dinger. Do they all have really wide pupils, like they've lived a life without knowing the sun? Uh, you know, I think they do. What's the funniest thing for me to say? <laughs> What's the funniest way for me to yes and this? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I was thinking about baseball a lot because uh, I I need you to know how much I care about this podcast, uh, which is that right now my fantasy baseball draft is happening and I'm auto-drafting and it's probably going to ruin my team. <laughs> um but but I'm here instead because I like this podcast and I like my friends uh, and and it will be your fault when I lose this this year again. That's great. Rory, tell me about those Cracker Jacks you were getting. Wow. Oh, OK, cool. Nine dollars. Yeah, nine dollars is, you know, you know what you're getting when you go to the ball game. You're going to get you're going to get screwed. Swindled. Yeah. <laughs> you get any Dippin' Dots? Did I just I got Cracker Jacks. <laughs> He's not made of money and get one thing. <laughs> Dad says you can have one. <laughs> but the song says that I get peanuts and cracker jacks. So check none of Dad. which is gumdrops. <laughs> so I had I had cracker jacks and they are look, they're they're are they the best snack? No. They however, do have those secret nuts in there. However, you know, there's only one place appropriate to eat them. And so you have to, like, you can't have Cracker Jacks at the mall, at the no, Alderwood Mall. No, just like on your couch when you're watching Severance. While you're, while you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you know, you definitely shouldn't be eating Cracker Jacks when you're watching Robotech. Uh, now, why is that? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm just trying to make a nice transition into talking about what our episode's about, okay? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes and me again, please. There we go. Yeah, We're sure, doing not? our best. You're getting softballs, Andrew. <laughs> which no, which will be great space... if I can hit a dinger. Uh... <laughs> no, we, we're doing a new thing. We're, do, we're doing a new thing because we we kicked, uh, we, 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 a player was ejected last week. Eh? Eh, mm-hmm. like it? No, it's good. Uh, and from the road, we had to, well, okay. Yeah. Last week it was a rodeo, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we got rid of, uh, I already forgot the fucking name of it. What were we watching? Exo squad, exo squad. We got rid of exo squad and we replaced it with another high flying hunk show. Starcom, the U S space force from 1987. Yeah, yeah. Any any eagle-eared listeners will notice that we've mentioned Starcom before uh, in our eagle interview. Eared. That's right, the ears of an eagle. Uh, you know how eagles have those really big ears, <laughs> like uh, like the fucking Mad Magazine. They got this <laughs> <laughs> just comical human ears on an eagle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, this was a show that Kevin Altieri worked on, uh, our interview with Kevin Altieri, a uh, Batman animator. And this is a show he worked on. And we kind of talked to him about it for a little while. And uh, wasn't been... his claim that that they tried to just call it Space Force, but they'd already like the government had already like, I don't know, earmarked that name and told them they couldn't. Wasn't that? Didn't he say something that, like that? I think that? something to that effect. Yeah. I don't remember if he gave us a more detailed and um, 
a believable story. But that, <laughs> th- that is that is he the, probably couldn't the summary. give us more details because the Pentagon would find him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were finally watching it. It kind of been on our been on our space radar for a little while, and we uh, we finally got around to it. And uh, I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about it. I am too. It's uh it's not what I expected. I guess maybe in every way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, deeply surprising. <laughs> yeah. And and then we've continued. We've continued uh, uh, sequentially watching Robotech at least for now. Uh, because I didn't think that there was any way that we could skip this particular episode. Uh, and I think you may agree after having seen it. But mm-hmm. we will we will talk about that second. I think the plan is to to start the uh, eighth inning. I'm, no, it's the bottom of the seventh after the stretch. I'm so sorry. I, I, I took us I took us to this baseball game and I have I'm so I was about to say, I bet you're you really stepped in it with your own theme. Already. <laughs> also, also, Andy, you said you took us to the baseball game. You took us out to the ball game. Oh God! And then we had Cracker Jacks and only Cracker Jacks because the you song can have whatever us. you want. Dad <laughs> said you can get one thing. Yeah, you could get the peanuts. I could get the Dippin' Dots I want so bad, or I could get a Bud Light for nine, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars. Uh, let's talk about Starcom. Let's dive right in. All Star Max and Star Wolf. Boy, howdy! Look at look at that baseball soar! Look at <laughs> there she goes! And to think that was my dinger! Oh, oh, okay. So you you you've you've succeeded at being a, a ball man down yeah, there. Yeah, they, they urged me. They well, were no, down, he, they were down a man. He promptly walked <laughs> off to talk about his dinger and didn't round the plate. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I got so hyped about the dinger that I hit. He walked straight to the, the the local news cameras and said, "Did you no, see that dinger?" <laughs> no, I went to the other dugout and was like, "Hey, boys, did, did you, you see, see the dinger, dinger I hit?" <laughs> no, we can't see anything from inside this hole. <laughs> uh, so this week we watched the first episode of Starcom, uh, and the name of that. <laughs> episode yes. is Nantucket Sleigh Ride. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, it feels good to say. It feels good to say. A search oh. and destroy probe attacks a Jupiter research station manned by Dash's mother and sister. A rescue mission is headed by Crowbar, Slim, Dash, and his brother-in-law, Sergeant Victor Rivera. Now, I have to say, that's probably... I mean, that's four out of four hunk names, right? That's the, yeah. that's the greatest hunk team. <laughs> the sky, the sky hunks are in are in perfect formation this week. Yep, crowbar, crowbar rules, <laughs> crazy stunts, crazy stunts. <laughs> 
No, I like I like the the down to earth, no fucking nonsense name crowbar. <laughs> that's that's incredible. That has a really strong vibe, you know. Yeah, crowbar is powerful energy. <laughs> crowbar Slim Dash and Sergeant Victor Rivera. I mean, do we just call him Victor? They just keep calling him Victor. Uh, gotta gotta, you gotta name. appreciate you gotta appreciate the hunk energy to be when you're hanging out with Crowbar Slim and Dash to just be like, no, I'm, we'll do we'll do my name. My I'm real confident name. with Victor. My Christian name, please. <laughs> it's possible that Victor is a nickname because he wins all the time. Oh. oh. No. 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 Okay, I, you guys, I <laughs> Starcom, what the hell happened? This actually was kind of good. There's some uh, fun, there's some fun shit for sure. I'm I'm very I don't know. I I am I'm of a, a lot of different minds about it, I guess. Uh the the main vibe that I got from it was like really fun and really exciting to watch, like especially visually this is an incredible show. Yeah, animation show. is really top-notch. I maybe maybe as we watch more of this show, the <laughs> characters will start to shine a little more, but I felt like it Dialogue was a little, little wooden and, yeah. and uh, kind of slow acting. Like it was just kind of people saying their lines like this, which droned on a little bit at times. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the animation, boy, if you're looking for it, they really tell you almost from the opening scene what kind of like what the animation budget is. Yeah. When um, when uh, do we get the names of the mother and sister? We do. Don't I know? If, they, Maybe. The sister calls the mom mother, but I don't remember if she addressed. There's a lot of people stating their relation to one another. This yes. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um I don't think we get a name for the mom. We got Liana. Oh, that's right. But uh, when she pops her helmet off and waves her hair around and it sort of, you know, <laughs> bounces as as it does like a sort of Baywatch uh, mm-hmm. uh, scene, you're like, oh, OK, we're animating this show. This is- yeah. Well, you're talking about the gray haired MILF, right? <laughs> the, the hot yeah, milfs of jupiter <laughs> and uh the hot milfs. boy dash dash has such a funny line about her too where uh there he, he's expecting a call from his mom and his sister who are both scientists researching this sort of strange jelly alien which we'll talk about in a second yeah uh he's not he hasn't got the call yet and uh one of his friends, I'm hoping it was Crowbar, uh, <laughs> says... Let's say it was. <laughs> you know, they probably just forgot. You know, you know, scientists. And he, you know, hey, my mom's not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a hot milf. <laughs> God. Uh, the actual intro, though, of this show, um, I was, I started being completely lost for quite a while. Uh, Yes, it was actually, I mean, to the point that it was more intriguing, like the way that Dune starts uh, (laughs) and you don't really know what's going on right away when Dune starts, because there's just a lot of stuff already established. Starcom is the Dune of cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 100%. Um, No, I mean, the way it starts is like, we don't know if these are good guys or bad guys that are coming in in some kind of ship. They're complaining about doing something on Jupiter and they're dropping these little drones into something. The drones blow some stuff up, but they look for life forms and they're like no life forms confirmed, like, you know, destroy. 
And it's none of it is really clear. Then we see these whales interact with these like flying stingrays. And all of it is completely unexplained. This is the first episode of Starcom. Yeah. And that's this, that's what struck me. Like yeah. there's no there's no helping hand for like a couple minutes at the at the front. And I thought that was really neat, especially because if you stick with it in the next like minute or two, you get all the context you need and it all makes total sense. But like choosing to place you in a, a I, I, guess I don't think it all makes total sense. I don't think we really know why these <laughs> evil doers are. There's just no. a sort of no, there's a, they're, the, the evil bad guys seem like they're just up to no good for no for for no good it, sake. Yes. Yes. I, I will agree with that. The bad guy stuff makes no sense. But I don't know. I, I'd like to generously say that it was a purposeful maneuver to place you somewhere where like you don't have any footholds so that you're not just like getting distracted by story and you just stare at their beautiful images. You know what I mean? Like it's beautiful moms. Yeah. It's a (laughs) really visual opening. And I, it's so clear that there's like a love for the animation in like baked into this show. Like the way that like the dynamic way that people move around the frame, the like cool angles, the like way that the, The, these like air explosions that are way more detailed than they need to be. So cool. And I can't I I was looking about par- like halfway through. I was like, maybe I'll be able to find some. I was not able to notice any obvious like cost saving, like animation reuse or any of the normal sort of like telltale markers that someone is working with a budget. Like, I don't know how this happened. Yeah. So I looked up the creative team for this show and it seems like another one of these shows. I think we've had a few before where. The the creative team for this basically all went off immediately after this to go to either Batman the Animated Series or <laughs> uh, a bunch of like Disney feature animation like Hunchback of Notre Dame and, you know, like the mid 90s gotcha. uh, Disney stuff, uh, Emperor's New Groove. Um, but yeah, this is one of those crews that got together and were like remarkably talented doing a show that probably was nobody's actual labor of love. Oh, it's hard to uh, say. Kevin Altieri did go into how much him and his buddies love drawing airplanes. It's they true, but it. I guess I, I it's true. But I guess I think about just the creation of like it feels like Starcom, the U.S. Space Force, was just a corporate decision. And they're like, we're making this show. You guys turn it into something. Sure. From from a writing doable. side. Yeah, this was nobody's this was nobody's opus. Well, and it was clearly I mean, it it for sure was made alongside a toy line. You yeah, know, I mean, like based this on wasn't toys, right? Yeah, I mean, they they came out the same year the toy line launched first. And uh, a fun thing, I was reading a little bit about the toys. Um, At one point, to their credit, they used this in a pretty fun story, important way. But they used that like all of their ships are equipped with like some sort of like magnet lock system, uh, which is kind of cool. And that's like that's like direct from the toys. Like all the all these toys had like magnets inside that like when you magnet this to like the playset, like an elevator automatically goes up or like you magnet up uh, a pilot into a ship or into a turret and the turret like moves or something like they were they were like built around magnets uh, making them move, which was kind of, I don't know, kind of fun for 1987. Uh, but apparently they were only really a hit in Europe. They didn't really catch on here. Uh, and that was probably part of the reason why it got canceled after one season. Well, it is weren't going. It is. Biz- it is a weird choice to have this show be this like galactic post earth 
uh, Space Force show, but it's very deeply still rooted to the United States. Like mm. the idea that this has always been like an American venture that has this sort of extra colonialist angle and sort of <laughs> rah-rah military that is, I think, somewhat diffused when you have like a global, like a global organization, like a Starfleet or something. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Austin, America is incredible. And of course, we'd be the ones to conquer the galaxy. <laughs> Come if on. Anyone can do it is Uncle Sam. <laughs> have, a little, have a little. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sam and his friend Crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of MILFs. <laughs> America. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should talk about the actual, the titular Nantucket sleigh ride. Uh, well, first we have to talk about the air whales. Well, yes. That's so, part of it. Yeah, these, the things that the the, the sister and mom, I, I've already forgotten her name. And a few Lou, unnamed dudes, right? L- Liana. Yeah, there's some unnamed dudes. There's like a, a crew of like five scientists on this like floating sp- station in Jupiter and they're there to study these air whales, which look like, like, like big weather balloon jellyfish in the sky. Uh, and they 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 get attacked by like flo- floating manta rays, and they travel around in packs. I don't know the way they move is pretty cool, um, but they go they go kind of hot talking about like how. They don't like they they know so little about these air whales, but we know they don't feel pain. Like, don't worry about them. They don't feel pain. They're dumb. Yeah, it, they're not uh, it smart. Felt like the reveal for the episode would, of course, be that they're sentient and do feel pain. Yeah, it really felt like they said they were setting that up, and it's not the direction this episode goes at all. <laughs> yeah, they it's are. A, it's a cover your ass sort of maneuver. Yeah, sure. Their whole like their whole linchpin to ooh, save the station is the Nantucket sleigh ride procedure, which is uh, based on whalers According, who would fire yeah. a harpoon into a whale, and then that whale would take them for a Nantucket sleigh ride. <laughs> uh, I've not, was also I've a not sex looked thing. this yeah. up. I'm going to Google it right no, now. No, it's real. It's real. Really? Yeah, it's where you It's where you jam your crotch into the chimney, and then... <laughs> And then somebody else comes down the chimney and you give him an Nantucket sleigh ride. <laughs> or I suppose they give you. They're doing the Santa Claus part. Well, uh, they're eating a bowl of chowder. Chowder. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so what? Your kid wakes up and walks out and is like, is Santa here? And just sees daddy with half his body up the chimney. He's or like, mommy. no, honey. Or mommy. Like, no, honey. I'm just getting a Nantucket sleigh ride. Go back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas to all. To all a good night. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia article about it. I had no idea. They certainly establish quite a bit of like hoop jumping in order to to set up the the magnificent Nantucket sleigh ride, which they do reference multiple times and then and then teach kids uh, the meaning of (laughs) the the old, you know, whaling technique, the old whaling (laughs) technique. But they're they're this seems like just a really poorly thought out uh, plan, given that they're a research station on uh, on another planet and they're in the sky. But their ship does not have uh, engines or guns. Yeah. 
No. But they but luckily it has a grappling hook. <laughs> right. Well, it actually I mean it is really more like just a harpoon and we start to think are you actually going to like pierce a whale uh with this but it it seems to go conveniently into a whale's sphincter mouth <laughs> cloaca cloaca and it just sort of grips you know it kegels the 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 <laughs> harpoon kegel the poon <laughs> <laughs> and take me on a take me on a ditch. I guess later. <laughs> yeah, it does that, and then it and then as the as the pod of these sky whales move forward, it pulls the ship. And the, the oh, the reason this is necessary is because of this like murder robot drone that is like a floating head that looks like TikTok from Return to Oz uh, uh, is about to fire a, a laser blast at the station, and they you know, don't have thrusters or anything. So they hitch a ride with these whales to get out of the effective firing range of this drone. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to like nitpick it too hard. The moment to moment drama of what was happening was interesting and fun. And I like, I like that it was, you know, uh, it was the, it was the mom's idea, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It, was the, it was it was the daughter's idea. It was the daughter, but they both have ride. a ton of agency in this in these scenes. Yeah, like they're, they kick they kick ass. Yeah, they're cool. Everyone, hang on to something. We're leaving, but this thing has no engines. I know. We're going on a Nantucket sleigh ride. Was that a Nantucket sleigh ride? Yep. What kind of sled? In the old days on Earth, when they used to hunt whales. Sometimes a harpoon whale would drag a whale boat for miles. They called it the Nantucket sleigh ride. I love also that most of the early chunk of this episode is just about these scientists and we don't even see Starcom until like almost the commercial break. Yeah, they're doing a whole adventure. Just these researchers who aren't actual main characters of the show, as far as I can tell. They're just doing all of this for half the episode. And yeah. which I, I thought, it, oh, is this what Starcom is? Are these the main characters of Starcom? I have no idea. <laughs> In a lot of shows, I would have really appreciated this. Every frame that isn't about Crowbar is <laughs> as a sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Fuck. Uh, I I think yeah. So that that's when they get they get dragged too far. Uh, they get dragged down into the Jupiter storm and apparently they're running out of oxygen and they're worried that it could take someone weeks to find them after they've gone off course and been attacked by this, these drones. And yeah, they're, they're in a gas maybe cloud. People, maybe people don't even know that they're in danger and they only have a day of air left. Right. And I think it's again, it's a really cool. It's a tense situation. Also, there's a part during the sequence where one of the larger fins of this large piece of the research ship shears off of the ship and it just slices right into one of these robot drones and yeah. blows it up in a really cool way. It was just like, it kind of took my breath away is this awesome sequence. I don't know. It was just so cool. Yeah. This show is worth, worth it to watch. Even if you're like, even if you turn your brain off, like it is, it is buttery delicious. Like yeah. just watching. Uh, but then we do cut over to Starcom. So <laughs> I I got a kick out of this uh, this fake card game that they're fleecing their commander. Or yes. I don't know if he's there. I I didn't quite get the scene at first. That was the obvious implication. Then this other guy just joins in and seems to be immediately in on the joke. And I thought 
is this a real card game in the canon of this show? I think I so. Kinda, I, <laughs> I think it's just a it's just a Calvin Ball card game that they have yeah. in the barracks or whatever. I, it was funny as hell. We should clip drop the the rules they established for what is it called? Fizzbin? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Now let me get this straight. Two sixes and an eight be three of a kind unless it's a Tuesday or a month with an R? Right. What do you call this game again? Fizzbin. What's the game? Fizzbin. Good hand, huh? No, you got a red huh? nine. I do? Yeah, and since it's afternoon, you lose. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, and so yeah. Slim is Slim is getting uh he's never played this and he he's he looks very suspicious about all of these fucking stupid rules, but uh but Crowbar is very insistent that this is real. <laughs> Crowbar's yeah. gonna win. Yeah, it's like yeah, I win if it's like a Tuesday after six PM or <laughs> Yeah. It's funny. God. It's it's actually funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it 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 takes very little time for somebody to come in and be like, hey, uh, we got plot readings on Jupiter and maybe we should be there. And so they, they realize that they, they need to go help. And as they as they blast off and they're worried, they're like, uh, what's his name? Dash? Yeah, Dash is like kind of real hot about everything. He's like, no mistakes now. They're running low on air down there. Don't worry. We'll find them. I have to worry. I've got family down there. So do I. Leanna's my wife, sir. Sorry, Victor. <laughs> which like, is the second? Which is the second time we've heard reference to the first time? He, uh, boy, I forget which one was talking, but he directly addresses the other as brother as brother-in-law. I know, yeah, hey brother-in-law. <laughs> I know, and that was just before, like, hello, brother, hello, older <laughs> older brother, younger sister, mom. It's, <laughs> it's you know. It's the first episode. Not only is it the first episode, but I don't think these characters are going to come back. Yeah, uh, I don't all think that so. often. So I mean, I, brother-in-law will. I mean, I'm Victor's sure, one yeah. of the main. He, he seems like a main pilot. I guess He's so. Although looking at the Wikipedia, it looks like this show is divided into the different branches. Like this is just yeah. the Air Force version, the Space Air Force version of the Space well, Force, and then there's like the Marines and the the no. Like, so so the deal is those three characters we mentioned, Slim, Crowbar, and Dash, they are the I think commanders or at least members of three different branches of Starcom. Oh. So Slim is Starbase Command, Crowbar is Astro Marines, and Dash is Star Wing. And don't ask me to explain what those mean. Uh, I think it probably only means that they have different colored toys, but uh, but that is what seems to happen. Even though, oh my god, if you look at the Wikipedia page, there's like a whole fucking list of people under yeah, each of those. That's three. what I'm saying. Oh my god, there's like at least eight, like seven or eight people listed under those different branches. Is this like an anthology show? Like, is it going to be have a different cast every week? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. It better have crowbar every week. <laughs> we will find out and immediately stop the show if it doesn't. <laughs> hashtag bring back crowbar. <laughs> we can call crowbar. Kevin. Yeah, we'll get Kevin back on here to explain what the fuck happened with crowbar. <laughs> uh, okay, they get out there and I don't know. This is this is sort of a long protracted like dog fight slash the the scientists are dying sequence and i mean 
I was really into it watching, but I don't, I don't know how exciting it is to to try and explain. No, I took almost zero notes during all of it because it was, yeah, I mean, it, it was fairly simple. They blew up a lot of these robots and there weren't a ton of secondary complications with doing that. Uh, it's just sort of them doing it. And then the researchers, the the mom, the hot mom, uh, <laughs> just important to say, uh, there I said it. Uh, she decides to blow like a third of oh. their remaining oxygen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I was going to get a Nantucket sleigh ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she, she decides to send out a flare, uh, you know, a, effectively a flare to show their location in this gas cloud to Starcom. And so she risks a chunk of their oxygen as they're nearly dying to like create this, this explosion. And it works. And again, they have all of this extra agency. Like they, they basically save themselves to yeah, a large degree. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. It's very cool. I mean, yeah, Starcom almost does nothing. I mean, they, they fight robots. And yeah. They show fight up robots. Give you give more oxygen at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they do the, they do the very toyetic mag, magma, magna lock maneuver or whatever and attach to their, uh, their research vessel and like use their thrusters to push them up out of the storm. Kind yeah. of a cool moment. It I is. It. And it's also, it's not profane. Like maybe it shows no. off. I didn't really notice any of that. I mean, I didn't know about the magnet, the magnet toys. So, but it mm-hmm. wasn't, it didn't present itself as, as deeply like, you know, it didn't no. betray the story to, to and show honestly, off the toy features. If I was a kid, I think I would appreciate this version more than the like obvious shit that the other cartoons usually do where they're like, mm-hmm. you know, use your karate chop action or whatever the fuck they they end up doing that's like clearly aping a toy maneuver. Like this looked like it made sense in universe and it would be something that you could do with your toys. That's that's like best possible scenario. Yeah. Sure. And and I this is what I like about Robotech too versus the shows like like Voltron that felt like they had a quota that every episode at exactly, you know, 12 minutes in or whatever they need to do the big transformation or the big mm-hmm. like selling point. And it feels like shows like Robotech that like you have ships that transform and they kind of do it like once in a while, you know, like when it's really important, they do it and they don't make a, a real meal out of it. Yeah. And yep. in the same regard, it's just like they just sort of casually have cool features and they don't completely jill off to to doing them <laughs> in the middle of the show oh i wanted to say at one point i think it is crowbar lets out a yahoo that just get, took me right back to our first sky honks with fucking our ring other Raiders. kevin eltieri show ring Raiders. <laughs> yahoo! Yahoo! god this is so much better than ring Raiders. what happened fuck <laughs> Uh, but the the theme song leaves a lot to be desired in that regard, though. Yeah, Ring Raiders yeah. will never Slapped. be unseated. No, no, that's that's all I got. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fucking cool. Uh, you know, they get back, everybody's safe. Liana kisses the shit out of her husband, the brother-in-law, Victor, and uh, and and Slim Who is still blushes under- as if they're not married. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's a funny scene. Not in a little front bit. of the guys. Come on. <laughs> Not in front of crowbar, <laughs> <laughs> honey. You don't kiss You're me in front of crowbar. In front of crowbar. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Fuck. Good show. And, yeah, and it just uh, the final tag is that it actually ends on a laugh line that I kind of laughed at, which might be a first. Mm. Uh because it's part of this this weird game again, Fizzbin. Okay. Three red cards before black. But only if there're no queens. Are you sure you got the rules right? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's like well done. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Starcom. Uh, yeah. Tastes good. Tastes good. Tastes yeah. good. Should we go to a sponsor? Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, hey, Andrew. Hello. Andrew, it says that uh, Hello. The, chore, the chore wheel spun over to you this week for who gets to talk about the advertisement. I, I usually get to avoid this so often, don't I? Well, normally you're on garbage and dishes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But today really, you got I've the ad read. Heavily weighted the wheel. Uh-huh. I suspected. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us about this week's new sponsor? It just, hmm. Is that a, no, is that something wrong? Oh, it just says uh, on the sheet, it says three books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this, that you, you're reading it. You're reading it absolutely correct. Because this week we're sponsored by three books and three books is a new sort of exciting way for you to consume books uh, in, in a way, in a way that maybe you never, never really thought of before. Uh, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'll take a quick little poll of the room. How many books do you guys read? Uh, Just three. One a week. Oh, Rory, you do three books. You said how many books do I read? Yeah. Three books. Rory's already an early adopter. Uh, Austin, Austin, tell me, tell me about your experience with one book. I mean, I, I take it, I open it. Uh huh. Um, I look at the little symbols on it until it makes me feel something. And what do you do with your hands? Uh, I usually use them to. Uh, well, it's not important. Mm, I think it is. Most of the time, I turn the pages. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what if I told you you could use your hands for more than just turning pages? No, I'm definitely interested because I, well, I don't, I won't reveal too much, but yes, <laughs> I'm interested. Good, good. Because I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to elevate your experience, right? So from one book to two, I'm going to like, imagine it, just imagine it. Like one the book? sequel to books? Or? Yeah. Like, no, it, I mean, in a way you could think about it that way, but imagine, imagine having one hand on one book and another hand on a second book. Okay. And you're reading I've the first book. i got two eyes, so... Yeah, you do have two eyes, but your hand is just your your hand's enjoying the second book. You know uh -huh, what I mean? Uh-huh. Because like you love the feel of a book. And so like your left hand maybe is enjoying the feel of two book while you're reading one book. Uh-huh. Sure. A sensory experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I know, I know, I know. That seems like a lot already. And you've only got two eyes, but you can't separate them. I know that was your idea, but that's not what we're gonna do. We can't break okay. your mind like that. What do you think we're gonna do with the three book? Mm, that one's for warming between the seat and your booty. This is exactly right. Rory fucking knows because he's already on top of this shit. You sit on three book. <laughs> so you sit on three book and three book gets warm because book needs to be warm. And book two is already warm because it was three book before. And people are super impressed with how high up in the sky you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to sit on three book while you touch two book and read one book. And then as soon as you're done reading one book, 
you're 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 done feeling up the hot two book. It becomes one book. The hot seat three book becomes two book, and you grab whoa, another whoa, book whoa. to become Slow your down, three Albert book. Albert Einstein, this is <laughs> getting a little out of hand. It's a treat for your butt. It's That's why one goes under hand. the butt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm saying. We've never been able to enjoy book like this. Book has never been able to be enjoyed this way. And now with my new system, you can you can three book and you will be treating your whole body to an experience, liter- a literary experience that I, I, I doubt you'll be able to come down from, Austin. That's you incredible. Know, you know kids these days, the multiple you know media inputs constantly. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit and read a book anymore. You, but we did figure out a hack because as you know, but if you read three book, that kind of feels like watching TV. It does. Well, you can't it's... do three phones. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely you can't cannot. sit on a phone. No, certainly not. With, with, you wouldn't have any purchase above above <laughs> lesser people. <You're>, yeah, <laughs> you can't sit on a phone and <laughs> gain height. Yeah, you, you don't get have... altitude. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I mean, we can we can build you up a little bit, Austin. We can start with just one book and two book, and then we can move you on from there if you sort of need it. An extra step, so yeah, sign me up. Yeah, uh, there's there's nothing to do. You just have to get three books. So sign me up. <laughs> and one's for your butt. Okay, I finally rounded the bases, but it was too late because the they already switched innings. And yeah, you looked like a real fucker. It, I looked like a real jerk <laughs> idiot. And, you know, look, it's not my fault because I was teleported to the dugout of a baseball game and asked to perform <laughs> in it. You know, perform? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a theater guy. Is that what you do? You're such a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm backstage. It was opening night at my baseball performance. <laughs> I went out there on stage. I hit a big dinger. <laughs> and I broke a leg, Pop. <laughs> I was the star of the show. <laughs> the most valuable actor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're there. We do it. And now we're watching Robotech. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, Hey, do, do you all want to hear the synopsis for robotech episode 19 bursting point i bet you do to us <laughs> okay it did that nantucket sleigh ride so much i'm at my bursting point <laughs> oh oh after broadcasting appeals for a safe haven captain global receives an offer from toronto ontario quadrant in canada about accepting the sdf one's 56,000 refugees while planning a test of a new omnidirectional barrier shield a sudden attack by the Zentradi overloads the barrier system and destroys the alien force, but it also kills Ben. 
and lays waste to an entire city below the battle fortress. Yikes! Yeah, this one's real interesting. Uh, I... I kind of love Global's like gutsy fuck off maneuver here at the top of the episode. Cause you know, if you recall the last like couple weeks, it's sort of been like, well, what am I going to fucking do with these thousands of people that they won't let me just get off my battleship and onto earth where they belong. Uh, and because he was ordered not to, now he's sort of maliciously disobeying orders and like flying really low over a populated area and freaking out all the like all the civilians and the army. And they're like, bro, <laughs> you got to stop. And he's like, I totally stop if you, you know, fucking let me get these civilians off my ship. Captain Global, low flights over population centers have been strictly prohibited except in extreme emergencies. This is an emergency. We must maintain a low altitude holding pattern while we are detaining a civilian population of 56,000 people. But sir, you're creating panic on the ground. You must increase your altitude and fly out over the ocean immediately. It's imperative. I will comply with your order if you can give us permission to deport all these civilians. Sir, that's an absolute impossibility. Nobody is to leave your ship. I assume you're not thinking of violating your direct orders from headquarters, are you? I didn't mean that. But our gravity control system is not perfected, and all of these civilians are in jeopardy. Captain Gloval, I'm telling you, you must leave this area at once. You have your orders. I will not rest until those orders are changed. Yeah. It's interesting. It's I cool. like I, I like love the games it. he's playing. He's got some swinging cojones. And his yeah. play is uh, the bridge ladies tell him, like, hey, Captain, maybe you shouldn't be doing this over open radio channel. Because people could be listening, and he's like, "Yes, maybe that is part of my plan." That <laughs> uh, his Russian accent isn't that intense, but uh, it sounds fun. Uh, and that maybe some like government intelligences that are listening, monitoring these air communications, could actually pick up on this and then put out the uh, like a refugee acceptance kind of thing. It's like, "Hey, we'll take your your refugees." Yeah, it's very interesting. I. God, I just adore that this show presents this stuff like it doesn't dumb it down or anything like no, this is this is a kid's show and they just sort of expect us to follow along. And I bet most kids watching are sort of like glazed over a little bit at this dialogue. But like, I like that it's in there. I fucking love it. You know, yeah, it adds it adds some sort of like. uh I don't know, a little heft to their geopolitical situation. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, it, 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 I think it still revels in the details more than some adult sci-fi shows, even like, yeah, the, the way, and again, broken record, but like, yeah, the way it makes drama out of this stuff is extra cool. And it makes it even more cool when then you pair that with Zentradi attacking and you have this multi-layered, complicated, dramatic sequence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, even Starcom, even 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 the other shows that we usually like, like when it turns into spaceship nonsense, that's kind of all it's doing. Like there's one level, there's a fight going on, there's bad ships and good ships, and we're just sort of watching to make sure no one dies. But, you know, in the middle of this one, I think there's like four different plots that we cut between in the in the big like action set set piece. Yeah. And they're all interesting and they're all sort of like running counter to each other and everybody has their own weird motives and ugh. Yeah. Ah. it's a it's a masterclass, man. 
I love, I love the show. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so we got to talk about <laughs> the the void that is still left by our recently departed Skyhunk. Roy Foker. Yeah. Roy Foker. Thank you. I did pour his name. Pour <laughs> one out for Roy Foker. Yeah. It's uh, very upsetting. Yeah. And Claudia is still feeling the sting. Uh, she seems cheery. He's like, hey, guys, I'm just going to go to the cafeteria or whatever. Um, and it turns out she's going to the morning cafeteria, the the moping sadness mm-hmm. cafeteria where people go to mourn the loss of their their loved ones because Rick Hunter is also also brooding in this cafeteria, uh, looking yeah. over looking over a large expanse. And uh, Lisa <laughs> comes in, sunset. yeah, yeah. Lisa comes in and sees both of them like, oh, hmm. <laughs> Am I welcome here? <laughs> <laughs> No, I like I like that we get to see here how much Rick is already like changing because of the stuff that's happened. Right. Like he used to be having like even an episode or two ago, he seemed like he was having way more fun with life and like the military and even like the dire straits they were in. He was kind of like gung ho about it. Uh, And now Roy's dead and he's like looks dead inside and talking to Lisa. He just like. Even she's kind of taken aback by it. Like, she has a line in there, too, right? Rick, I'm really glad you're okay now. Thanks. Something about him seems so different. And I, I don't know. I, I I appreciate it. You know, even even though he's, like, supposed to be our main character that we're, like, rah-rah well, about. I don't know. I mean, uh, within the chronology of the show, his best friend died yesterday? Shortly? Shortly before then? Uh, it's, yeah. It's a little odd to... You know, be talking to somebody like during grief. He's <laughs> like, "Boy, you sure are different." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He seems so strange today. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? Did you eat a bad sandwich? <laughs> I can talk to the cook. Yeah, we are in the brooding cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, I like. Um, I don't know. I, I I like it anyway. I guess in the context of a kids show that sort of moves quickly, like I don't know. It read okay for me, even though I I. Now that you pointed out, that is a little silly. <laughs> um, but we get message pretty quickly that Canada, fuck yeah, Canada is gonna offer to accept all of their civilian refugees. Um, that feels right. Do... That feels like yeah, yeah. It's pretty Canada. safe, like future, you know, futurology, <laughs> futurism. Yeah, Canada will probably accept some refugees. So there's that plot, and they're gonna they're gonna immediately start heading for, I guess, Toronto. Do they ever name drop Toronto in the episode as the city that they're hovering above? No, uh, no. At least I didn't the... pick up. I I I was unclear for quite a while, like what if they were actually in fact over a city or you know i mean i only saw buildings later but it was it was unclear the full stakes of what this explosion did i'm i mean it in the big wide shots you can see they're above a city maybe it's a little fucked up of me to say but i do wish that we'd seen more like i don't know civilians burning and exploding <laughs> in this moment like to just sort of confirm that it wasn't just like an empty ghost town that exploded at the end of this I episode because you can't you can't really tell i suppose that's fair yeah it's 
kind of odd, but but that does make me feel weird to say. Like, I wanted to see more civilians dying. Well, you know, it, uh, it doesn't have the weight it, that it's supposed to have, I think. Yeah. Because it's kind of trying to uh, soften the blow a little bit. Uh, but let's 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 get there in a sec. Um, yeah, we, we we get to that large moment because Azonia is that right? Azonia, mm-hmm. who's the yep. current Zentradi? Is she the pilot or the the general? Azonia is the leader of their army right now. Okay, right. And then the hotshot lady Zentradi pilot who was going after Max last episode. Uh, Her name is Miria. Miria. Uh, she wants to become a Micronian spy. Yeah, she wants to go find Max and fuck him <laughs> up in person style. Yeah, or just stop at the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see it in her face, right? Like she, like she keeps saying, "She's like, I have to go kill him," but like I don't know. We zoom in on those but your eyes, heart and they're kind of kill him with a Nantucket sleigh ride. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She has like a line where she's like, she's floating in the tube or whatever, where she's going to get micronized. And she's she's like talking to herself or thinking to herself. She's like, after all of my successes in battle, I have finally been defeated by a tiny micronian. So now I am becoming a micronian. I must destroy that pilot. I must yeah, it's so, fun. It's a cool yeah. It's a cool twist. I'm excited. It's like the most interesting choice to make. Uh yeah. And I'm yeah. excited for that drama. Uh and meanwhile, the other Chiron, the other Zentradi, the other dramatic Zentradi bitch, uh is <laughs> Yes, Chiron. <laughs> uh has decided to just attack regardless again. It seems like there are no consequences for disobeying orders. So it seems <laughs> no, like everybody's just kind of at this doing whatever the hell they want here. Yeah, I guess I don't know, maybe maybe oh boy, I'm about to I'm about to give this show a lot more credit than it deserves. Maybe maybe there is something being said about a, a society based entirely around hotshot warrior types that like chain of command is just sort of a suggestion. Mm-hmm. As long as you're as long as you're blowing shit up, you're sort of doing it for the glory of Zentradi, well, like it's fine. It, that reminds me of the the short play in college, uh, Chief, that was the the police department made entirely out of hotshot cops, and they're all constantly on like <laughs> a revolving door of like, fuck off, Chief. Um I don't believe in the rules. Uh yeah, like at a certain point if you if you center your society around those people, like you can't be surprised when somebody goes rogue. Yeah, when they going all go rogue, rogue is your yeah. whole deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that's so th- because Chiron decides to attack when the STF is on its way to civilization to drop off all their dudes. Uh, they have the opportunity to test out their new total coverage shield instead of their like pinpoint shield. They've got like this new this new shield that they haven't really tried yet. You guys remember that pinpoint shield? That was so cool. Mm, They they use like trackballs to uh, like a computer trackball to. Yeah. They had just like a bunch of tiny shields. They'd move around the hull, but now they have a full giant shield, but they can only like have it 
active for so long. Um, and I'm I'm just once again from that sort of hard sci-fi perspective, I adore the fact that when we talk about this new defense system and they're putting it on standby as Chiron approaches, we like, you know, the camera cuts to presumably where this defense system is being run from. And like, we see like dishes moving into place and there's like a team of like 12 people all sitting at different consoles whose job it looks like is this defense system. And I love that it's not just press a button and it happens like magic that there's like, a whole team that has to like work it. Yeah. I've, it's just such a fun, it's a much more interesting way to do it. I much prefer my sci-fi being like, you know, acknowledging that a ship this big has to have like a lot of crew to actually physically make it happen. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's so much more visual for a visual medium. It just, when, when you're mm-hmm. animation and you can do whatever you want, like you don't have to shell out the extra Star Trek budget or whatever to show a new a new room on the spaceship. Like you don't <laughs> have to build that and staff it with actors. You can just draw it. Then like, yeah, make it as complicated might... as possible. We are no? really going over our Jeffrey's tube budget this week. <laughs> uh, so uh, in the meantime, we also have a really nice moment that kind of choked me up a little bit of uh rick hunter taking on roy's old ship he's taking on the skull Skull one one, and it's not just when he chooses to like to take that because now i now i see the i guess the poetry right or the the reason for him being shot down a couple episodes ago is means a ship is gone and now he's conveniently needing a new ship and roy you know roy uh you know, died and his ship is still around. So, you know, the, the, the trade-off can happen there and, uh, you know, it does. And when he takes off and uses the, does he use his call sign or, you know, I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. He, I mean, he's skull leader, right? skull leader. Yeah. Cause it's skull squadron. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Lisa and Claudia on the bridge have a, have a little exchange about, did he say Skull Leader? Yes, that's right, Claudia. It's Lieutenant Rick Hunter, and he's taking over Commander Fucker's Skull One as of today. Well, Roy would have liked that. It was nice. It was well done. I, I found myself. It was simple, but I found myself still kind of. They got me a little bit. Yeah, and it's kind of it's tucked around another moment where Max and Ben sort of recognizing that Rick is going through some shit. Uh, they want to take him out for a fun night on the town oh, to celebrate right. like getting rid of these all these civilians. They're like, hey, the civilians are finally going to get off our ship. Let's go like preemptively celebrate. And they go out for steak. And in the middle of their meal, Ben Ben gets this fucking giant sirloin, and he barely gets two bites in when they sound the red alert. Yeah, because Chiron's attacking. Ben gets a big tasty pineapple salad. <laughs> uh, I mean, steak that he's about to eat. And he can't wait to eat that big pineapple salad. <laughs> and I'm sure everything's going to be fine for Ben. It's so funny because you normally see these like death flags like, don't worry, honey, I'll come home to you safe and sound. And then you're like, oh, no, he's definitely going to die. But for Ben, it's like, don't worry, steak, I'm coming back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I will finish this steak if it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> What a death flag sounds like when you're the food one. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. Ben dies. Yeah. It is. It is really kind of 
a, a not really a one-two punch because we don't really have that much of a emotional connection to Ben. I mean, he's been around for a minute in the show. He showed up as one of the subordinates. Max is clearly the more interesting one. But I think it is just a cool way to do it. It's so unexpected to kill another named character we know one episode after killing Ray. Yeah, killing Roy. and it's not even the series finale or anything, you know? It, no. We're not even close to the end. Like, it really throws you off kilter. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's effective. Uh, there is, you know, it is the... Uh, Death can be incredibly effective when wielded well. And when it's too poetic, it it just feels like it, you know, it's formulaic and it doesn't matter as much. When you make it mm-hmm. scary and random and way more often than you want it to be, then, yeah, it's, it's yeah. cool. Yep. Yeah, and he... He dies, so the sequence is actually kind of interesting. Chiron is completely taken aback by this, like, defense barrier that they have set up. He's like, what the fuck? Never seen anything like this. And he says this line that I adored, which was, Continue firing until I order you to cease. Because he's like, well, let's just hit it a lot and see how much it can take. And I was like, oh, no. Fuck. That's like. I mean, it's stupid to say, but it's like, that's its one weakness is getting hit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Back and, to the drawing board, huh? Un- yeah. But unfortunately, by overloading it, it is a really fucking tense sequence where we're cutting back and forth. We're hearing all these screams. We're seeing it like overload and go crazy. Uh, yeah, it it another design flaw of this defense system is that when it fails and overloads, it vaporizes everything within a 25 mile radius. Uh, Yeah. Including Ben. Including Ben. I don't understand how that, that feels like a really bad design move. It's a pretty explosive shield. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like you gotta be prepared for it to fail. And, you know, you can't just have that in the margins like, oh, and I guess if it does fail, 50 miles of city is gone or whatever. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, And yeah, as we mentioned, it, it's it's not it's not given a ton of time where they actually are situated, where this detonation happens. It, you know, nobody comments on like, no, wait, the civilians get out. You know, the yeah, there's no it just we see a few city buildings crumble and and become dust and that's our only cue that maybe this is in a bad spot mm-hmm. and uh i wasn't sure if that if that was ontario uh but then after this happens uh it's like hey uh there's a call from ontario it's probably a bad one <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it in my office <laughs> captain hmm? a message from ontario quadrant subcommand hmm. Punch it up. No, I'll take it to my quarters. Yeah. For his part, Global looks surprisingly unfazed about accidentally killing probably hundreds of thousands of civilians. Um, I don't know how to feel about how that's played. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, it just doesn't, for some reason, the weight isn't there for what they've done. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does Japan think Toronto's like a little town? Or just mostly mostly woods. (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly empty buildings, right? Well, you know, it was it was summer, so they were all away from their buildings. 
the Canadians were all <laughs> off somewhere. <laughs> They're all down in America emptying out our Costco's, am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's that is true. Uh I I have to say I had completely forgotten about this moment at the end here. So everyone everyone gets back. There's I guess there's one moment first, right? We get this Lynn Kyle moment. Right. And he is so we've seen a, a one brief scene of Minmay doing her Minmay thing, which is to to be overworked and collapse into Lynn Kyle's arms. Oh, cousin. <laughs> um and I guess I guess a lot of media attention has been attracted by this and she's in the hospital again and everyone's asking Lynn Kyle if she's okay and he gets super salty and we'll just play what he says. Okay, listen everyone. I want to make a statement concerning the war. Mm. We've lost so many lives during this war. It's time for it to end. And with all of this, you keep asking me about Minmay's health condition instead of what's really important. I don't know. Does this does that read douchey to you or does that read legit to you? Like I feel like I don't like Lynn Kyle, so it, I'm a little disappointed. I, dis- I think yeah. that there there was probably an intent for that to be more preachy and noble than it came off with the uh the actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably like a lot of things with, with Lynn Kyle, just straddling that line regardless, right? Between Yeah. Between noble and douchebag. Between bag. the sort of right, yeah. the sort of the preachy veganism of his, of his, yeah. you know, anti-war <laughs> his whole thing. His whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't fully disagree with what you say, but I hate. I hate, I hate you. that it's you saying it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and nobody's addressing you as like a political activist. You're being a, you're being interviewed as as uh, for celebrity May's cousin. Yeah, for celebrity. Scoops. Yeah, so it's like. Why are you talking about my cousin? There's war going on. It's like, yeah, but we're talking to you. Yeah, we're entertainment ex- reporters. You're, you're not an expert on anything about that. <laughs> you do happen to know the girl in the hospital. <laughs> we're boat journalists. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it would come across as douchey if it wasn't also deeply currently relevant of like, why yeah. are we talking about celebrity gossip right now when... You know, yeah. there's war, literal war happening, and uh, I, I, I get, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, uh, and the, the the perverts are watching too. The the Zentradi micronized spies, and they they have a, a a conversation. I feel like would have been more interesting if they'd allowed it to be longer. Mm-hmm. But that Micronian's talking about stopping the war, huh? What does he mean, stop the fighting? If that happened, that would negate our entire reason for existence. Yeah, but I kind of feel like I understand what he's talking about. Don't you think? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> Let's, okay, d- d- dig in deeper. Tell us more. <laughs> Tell us more about your newfound pacifism. Oh, no, we're cutting. We're done with the scene. All right, goodbye. Um, Now, this this is the part that I really want to talk about. Yeah. We cut, we cut back, we cut back to Rick. And... Rick is getting a phone call on a yellow courtesy phone. Rick Hunter, yellow courtesy phone. <laughs> and it's Min May. And we're just going to play this. Yeah. Lieutenant Rick Hunter, yellow courtesy phone. Lieutenant Rick Hunter, yellow courtesy phone. Rick Hunter. Oh, Rick, I'm so happy that I found you. You've probably heard that I was in the hospital. Well, it's true. But I don't want you to worry about me. It was just overwork, and now I'm catching up on some much-needed rest. Oh, Rick, why don't you come up and see me? That would be great fun. You don't have to bring anything, just... And he 
fucking hangs up on he her. He hangs up on her. I wasn't totally clear if that was a fumbled sort of rush uh, with, you know, the sound and animation. It, that's how I uh, that's how the scene reads for sure. But he, we kind of get all the pertinent information. Like, I mean, I I definitely take it as I mean, the way the way that I consumed that moment is like Rick has just had in the last couple days two of his friends and colleagues die and he's been out doing war shit and he's just like fucking shell-shocked and he gets a phone call from this woman he's supposed to be in love with and she's just kind of like I'm okay oh yeah you should come up and hang out with me in my, my hotel room and it's just like man you live in a totally different fucking world and he just can't deal with it and he hangs up yeah. on her like I can't do this right now I, I, I think that's a valid reading and I I, I think that um, that's probably more 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 truth to that than than how I got what I got from it, but it's too bad with a dub that that I that the moment was undercut by me just I, thinking maybe this was a you know bad a bad moment of whatever time I or agree. translation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like trying to fit the dialogue to the time. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's it's interesting to me, regardless, just as sort of like a turning point for how Rick is like interacting with Min May, like. I'm pretty positive that he continues after this episode, sort of still chasing after her a little bit. But something, something's over yeah, here. Yeah, something kind of broke in Rick. And you see that very nicely. Yeah, with His buddies are dying and his girlfriend won't stop kiss banging, you know, <laughs> sleigh riding her cousin. <laughs> kiss banging. <laughs> and then tuck it kiss bang. <laughs> well, and not just, not just all the Lynn Kyle stuff, but like, if you listen to that phone call, it is entirely about her. She is, she is yeah, just totally. monologuing about herself the whole time. And, he, but in fairness, it's, um, well, wait, no, it's a real phone call, right? It wasn't a yeah, message. It was a mess- yeah, yeah. It was just like, right. And she, but she was just steamrolling over and not asking about Rick and just like, yeah, right, totally. this is me, ma, 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 click. And it's like, fuck Rick. Damn. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Uh, I think we'll probably I have to look into this now because I I I know I want to skip at least a couple episodes over the next few. Um, you know, there's there's some there's some stuff that we can we can jump through. I I, I kind of don't want to skip the premiere of Min May and Lynn Kyle's movie. <laughs> but we'll see. I I am I'm I'm interested, I guess. The dangerous cousins. There could be a Robotech power hour if we need to sort of squeeze an episode in. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I I don't have like a I don't have like a solid stopping point like in mind. I want to make sure we get through episode 25 and this is 19. So I think a little bit of judicious skipping is going to happen uh, and it might be the next couple. But I wanted to make sure we got this one because Ben dies and this is it feels kind of pivotal even if like you know, nothing they yeah. haven't no the, a lot of a lot of important things happen yeah and it's only you can only say like the plot doesn't advance in a show that's primarily plot heavy and really the show isn't a right. ship teleported across the the solar system and then came back is kind of the plot that we've had you know totally right and then the rest lives in the like super interesting minutia yeah micronia that's funny I like that good let's end on that
Okay, it's the it's the bottom of the tenth. We've uh, we've we've had a real nail biter, and uh, in sort of a last ditch effort to try and take this game away, Austin has been put back in in the batting order. That's right, and it's all the, it's all up to you, buddy. Yeah, um, take the game away. Well, I would, <laughs> um, but see, here's the thing: is that the other team stage the fright. other team has now flashed me. A coupon. They're, they're ding dong. <laughs> that <laughs> from the. Dugout? I mean, they've been doing that several times, uh, and and whistling and such. Um, but no, they're giving me a coupon for the for the for the cafeteria for the, whatever the, you know, the snacks like a uh, snack baseball, baseball cafeteria cafeteria snacks because you know how expensive they are. And Dad said we could only get one. Uh, only get but one. But if if I switch to their team or if I sort of you know if I don't hit a dinger if I take a dive. Then they'll give me, you know, free snacks. So I did just look it up in the baseball rule book. You totally can switch teams mid inning. Right. Well, so. because I didn't, I, you know, I'm not officially on this team, so I can. Yeah. I can swap out. So I think I'm going to do it. Uh, but I might have to wait on my decision. So uh, in the meantime, why don't we talk about like what episodes we watched today? No. no, I don't know that I have much left to say. They, you know, this was a good week. Yeah, this is a good it week. It was a good week. Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying our uh, our new our new pick. I don't I don't know if maybe end over end Starcom won't have the juice the whole time, but I I'm excited about it. It's new and and fresh and animated like gangbusters. Yeah, it's got crowbar. And it's got Nantucket sleigh rides <laughs> and crowbar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm fucking stoked. Uh and you know, so with that I think we're done talking about about the uh the the cartoons and to to further stave a, a little bit off of the inevitable riot that occurs when you switch teams. I think it's time for the Sorbo of the week. Let's do it. Disappointed. Okay, everybody. Well, this is a a little sort of mini trip to Saturday morning Tuesdays at the movies. Uh a little crossover <laughs> uh because we, uh, Rory not included, I had to step in and take over with Andy and Shane and go see Morbius, uh, and cover Morbius for an infinite backlog episode, which might be out. Which, if by this time, it's definitely out, I think, by this okay. point. So, you should definitely you should go listen to our our uh, our fun reactions to Morbius, the the a new Marvel legend arrives. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and on in that vein, uh, I have to give Sorbo of the Week to Jared Leto, to the actor Jared Leto, uh, for a couple of reasons. I think, uh, chiefly mm-hmm. was making me sit through an hour and 45 minutes of the movie Morbius. Uh, I know he didn't physically make me, but he's involved. <laughs> so, no. I mean, really, Rory was the one who had the idea for us to all go see Morbius. <laughs> yeah, I had the idea to see Morbius and also the idea to not participate. <laughs> <laughs> what a good idea. Well, I'd sober you if I could. Um, but you're a majority shareholder. So uh, I instead... So instead we get the next best thing. Yeah. Sorboing Jared Leto. Uh, the other reason is I'm one is many method acting pranks that he gets up to. And, and the most recent one is apparently the basically confirmed report that when method acting for his character, Dr. Michael Morbius, who has some sort of strange disease 
that leaves him constrained to crutches. Uh, Jared Leto refused to leave character and leave his crutches in between takes to go use the bathroom and would take about 45 minutes to go hobble over to the bathroom <laughs> and sort of position himself on the toilet to piss. Uh, <laughs> as if, as if he were still the character, Dr. Michael Morbius, making sure. I only he's- piss in character. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, people which is just a, a gross misuse of everyone in the universe's time. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go all. I'm in the business or whatever. But if you've ever worked on anything like re- remotely related to a set or like a rehearsal or anything, or how about just had people waiting for you? Yes, like, you know, like it's just fucking awful. It, it's really pretty relatable. And as somebody who did take 45 minutes to hobble to the bathroom in his crutches. The idea that somebody would do it willingly, frequently, is is mind-blowing yeah. um, and kind of insulting. Yeah. But, but, like, on one hand, I almost applaud that. You, I, I can't applaud the commitment, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can assure you the amount of willpower it takes to... To do that for no reason must be immense. Like do it, do it <laughs> once to get the experience and the memory of it, and then act after yeah. that. You can just act, act after that, or well, you know, you know. Again, I'm not applauding willpower to to waste people's time, but it is right. all, it's a significant amount to just. Can you imagine it's, having to like just wasting that much of your own time while you have to you have to pee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, Jared, um, and never again. You're Sorbo. You are not allowed yeah, on get the, the podcast. Fuck out of get here. out of here, Sorbo. <laughs> Jared Sorbo. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, that's another that's another beautiful Saturday morning Tuesday Skyhunk in the bag. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. And I switched teams. We're be doing more I took of this that soon. sweet coupon, and everybody's mad at me. But hey, I I, I got to get those those free peanuts and cracker jacks. Nobody's going for the dipping dots. Y'all are really fucking ridiculous with this. <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. You got it. <laughs> you get on my dipping dots level. Yeah.